Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. Alright, let's do this. What's up folks? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I am your host, John Hudspeth, and welcome to the show. If you guys caught last week's episode, I did kind of my pre-Nebraska hunt breakdown, and, and we did an episode on velvet hunting and everything, and, and I kind of explained in the intro how things were going to work out with just you know that episode as opposed to when the hunt actually was uh, with you know the release date of my podcast and everything. And so this episode is not about that Nebraska hunt. That will be next week when I get home. So I explained all that, but one thing I kind of forgot about was even though I had recorded this interview that you're about to listen to, I had not done any editing, which is what I'm you know sitting here doing right now and why I'm doing this intro. But I still have not left on that trip. And so even though I mentioned there wasn't really going to be any Nebraska talk, I'm going to talk just a little bit um, because I haven't actually got on the hunt. When you are actually listening to this episode, if you listen to it uh, on the day that it comes out on Monday, I will have either you know killed a buck and be driving home from that trip or I'll be super stressed out and in desperation mode trying to kill a buck and then driving home through the night because my mom who's coming with me has to be home by like noon on Tuesday. And so, yeah, that's where we're at. So I have not left on the trip, but when you listen to this, I will be on the trip and then the next episode will be about the trip. So hope I didn't make that any more confusing trying to explain what's going on here. So... Yeah, as I mentioned, have not left on the trip, but I'm in kind of my super final preparations for the trip. I've been doing a lot of shooting, uh, shot my bow a lot. I switched over to broadheads from field tips, and so you know, like you know, practicing how I'm actually going to be shooting. I feel like um, I feel like my bow shoots better with broadheads, which I guess is good. I know they should shoot both the same if it's, you know, finely tuned and all that. Um, but anyway, so feeling very, very confident with the broadheads. Um, you know, I've shot 20, 30, 40. I don't really shoot my broadheads further than that. Cause I don't think I'm going to shoot at a whitetail any further than that. Honestly, I'm not sure I would take a 40 yard shot at a whitetail unless conditions were, you know, super perfect. And so again, just kind of practicing, how I feel like I'm going to be shooting. I also spent a lot of time in the saddle over the last couple days, just trying to get super comfortable. I've been hanging it, you know, just a foot or two off the ground. And I actually shot my bow out of it for the first time. And it was, it was a little awkward. Um, again, I'm not getting super high. I'm not so worried about shooting, you know, the shot angle and stuff. Cause I'm used to shooting out of tree stands anyway. So it's not the height or anything like that that I'm worried about. I'm just worried about the goofy angles. And so the first time I shot it, which maybe I should have started with an easier shot, I literally set the target up like on the opposite side of the tree. And because I just want, you know, I wanted to test my limits and see what was what. And so, like, I started on my strong side, which would be the left. And so I was like leaning way out on the platform. Um, there was a limb on that side. So I was like bending my knees and stuff to get below the limb. I was kind of having to draw out to the side and then bring my bow in and. Of course, my my cam hit the tree, so then I was bending my knees more. 
and I shot decent. Like I definitely wasn't, you know, hitting the 10 ring, uh, but all my shots were, you know, killer shots. But I, I did think it was very important that I did that because uh, like that is not the best shot for me to take, obviously. And so knowing that I can try to either get a shot before the deer gets there or after. And so sent a couple arrows that way. Um, and again, wasn't shooting bad, but just not necessarily hitting exactly where I wanted to. So did a couple arrows like that, and then I switched to the other side. So I didn't move the target. Um, I just I you know I got I got to practice like bringing my bow up and over my uh, uh, what's that called the bridge I think. Um, so I did that. I practiced like kind of rolling my hips and kind of sliding the rope through the saddle so that I was you know more like perpendicular yeah parallel more parallel with the target. And then, you know, got to practice drawing like that. And I felt a lot more comfortable. So if the audio is weird, it's because I'm moving around like I'm in the tree. Um, and I actually felt a lot more comfortable shooting on that offside than I thought I would. And I think a big part of it is because I could really turn my body, you know, and get my arm out in front of me as if I was standing on the ground. Whereas when I was shooting on the strong side at that, at that angle... I almost had my arms like in front of my body and you know, I was trying to, to roll my shoulders and straighten my hips and all that, but it, it was just weird. Um, so anyway, so yeah, I fired a couple shots like that, kind of got the feel. And then after that, I started moving the target around. So I was shooting in a more of a natural position. Um, you know, if the deer's straight to my left, I feel very confident. Um, deer's straight to the right. I still feel pretty dang confident with that. And so again, just kind of working my way around the tree, shooting, practicing all those angles. Um, one thing, what was I about to say? Oh, one thing I did learn, and you know, part of the reason I wanted to do all this, is uh, my buddy that's letting me borrow the saddle, uh, you know, he gave me the platform and everything, and so I had to kind of make some adjustments. He's a lot bigger guy than I am, so uh, I was trying not to screw up his saddle too much, but I was making some minor adjustments. But uh, one thing that he has, and I'm sure he does it for noise, is he just has like a rope on the platform that has different slots in it and so basically you just get it you know as tight as you can you put it on that slot and then you kind of pull down against the tree to get that strap tight um and it it worked great when i was standing straight on it but one thing i learned is when i was shifting my weight and rolling around trying to get those better angles is excuse me there was a few times where that platform shifted on me and i didn't really like that um and so I think I'm going to get a actual ratchet strap for the platform just because I think it would make me feel more confident having that sturdy base. And, and, I, and I, I worked with it. Like I played around, like I practiced like rolling kind of my heels off the platform and shifting my weight, trying to make it, you know, the, my weight go more down than on the side and everything like that. But uh, I don't know. I just feel like having a real ratchet strap on there, getting that thing solid and tight. I think it would make me more comfortable if I had to, you know, lean out and get that crazy angle. And so um, one thing that I'm still kind of working on, I have a few more days and uh, tomorrow evening, I'm going to get to spend a lot of time before I go uh, playing with it. But um, just like I'm still trying to figure out where, I want to set up on the tree in relation to where I think my shot will be. You know, you hear a lot of people talking about how you want to put yourself on the the back side of the tree, which is true. But again, you know, that was kind of that crazy shot angle that I was practicing. And so while I do see the advantage of being on the back side of the tree because it covers all your, uh, your movement and everything, to get a good solid shot, I just feel like I need to be 
a little bit more on the side of the tree. Not, you know, 90 degrees where you're sticking out like a sore thumb, but I, I feel like I need to angle myself a little bit, you know, maybe 45 degrees or something like that, 30 degrees. Um, and then once I do that, though, like I, I can't decide which I can't decide which side I want to roll to. Like, do I want to roll to my strong side um, where I don't have to move the bow over the bridge or anything? Because honestly, I think I actually felt more comfortable shooting on the off side of the tree. Because like I said, I could, like I got to where I could roll my hips a little bit and the rope would slide through the carabiner and I could get my body like really, really perpendicular to the target and, you know, point my arm at the target like I wanted to and everything. And so again, just little small things. And obviously I can't just set the deer, you know, where I want it. Like I'm going to have to be ready for it all. Um, but just little fine tune stuff like that is, is kind of where I'm at now. So feel very good in my shooting. I'm taking everything but the kitchen sink. As far as my gear, I have a pop-up blind. I have, uh, the saddle. I have my stand. I've been going through my bag and making sure, you know, like I have everything where I know where it is. Um, you know, binoculars, uh, all my straps, sticks, everything like that. I bought some of those like rubber coated, uh, wire tie things. And so I have one for my stand to, to take the seat up against the platform so it doesn't rattle. I have another one that I just wrap around the sticks just to kind of keep them nice and tight and held together. Ah, gosh, what else? I got a chair for the ground blind. I got uh, a little stool if I want to just sit in the corn, um, yeah, I, I'm, I feel very, very ready to go. Um, one last thing is uh, I've, I've talked about the wind up there quite a bit, and it seems like every time I check the wind, it's doing something different. Like, you know, in the morning it'll be west, in the evening it'll be north, the next day it'll be southeast. Like, I just feel like there's no consistent wind. But I was checking the weather for when, on the days I'm going to be there, and it's supposed to be hot, super hot. Like, like it's going to be low 90s to high 80s all the way up until and then like the day I get there and the four days I'll be there it's like 98 98 99 100 and so it's going to be way hotter than average and if you check the wind on those days it's south wind south wind south wind south wind south wind and so like no variation so I was kind of doing my scouting with that in mind um, with that south wind and it's not the best like if I had to pick one wind I'd didn't want it would probably be a south and so i'm hoping once i get up there that you know it shifts or you know not necessarily shifts but just that that changes and maybe i get some west winds some north winds even east winds um and i i I can make it work i think with the south wind i just don't think i'm going to be able to hunt the exact spots that i really want to be in if i just have a straight south wind for four days and it just limits how much i can move around also even though i have a decent amount of acreage to work with you know, when you only have one win for four days straight, it just limits how many setups you can do. So anyway, that's just kind of some of the challenges I'm facing, warm temperatures, consistent winds, but I'm still super excited and I think I'm going to have a pretty good shot. So, so yeah, even though I said this week wasn't going to be about Nebraska, there you go. My entire intro, which I'm going a little long on, uh, was about Nebraska. So anyway, wish me luck. I'll be leaving uh, in two days, like I said, taking my mom and daughter up there. We're going to have a great time. I'm going to hang out with my sister quite a bit. Uh, we got college football, which I'm stupid excited about. So get to watch some of that while I'm up there. And that's about all I got. So anyway, that's that. This week on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast, we have a very, very awesome episode. Um, this is one that I I hadn't really thought about, but uh, I met this guy, Rhett, 
at the uh, One Nation Expo a few weeks ago, and he does uh, thermal drone recovery. And so he can do, you know, deer that you maybe bat- made a bad shot on. Uh, he also does, like, pets and cattle, you know, basically anything that's lost or you need to find. Uh, that's what he does. And so he has a very, very nice, expensive drone. He's got a thermal on it. He's got a camera on it. He has a spotlight on it. Super, super nice. And so I'm going to let him kind of explain all that. But uh, yeah, a really, really interesting episode. And obviously one of the big hot topics when it comes to this is dogs. You know, like the, the drone versus the dog. Which one's better? And we talk about that a lot. We kind of give the advantages and disadvantages and, and, you know, maybe a place for each. And so if you're a dog fan or maybe you have a dog or know somebody with a tracking dog, I'd encourage you to listen to this still and, and just kind of see what Rhett has to say about it because I think he does a really good job of addressing that. And um, so, yeah, anyway, I don't want to ruin it too much. So that's what we got going on this week. Um, yeah, huge shout-out to all you listeners. Hunting season's basically here. We got dove season opening up, so hopefully you can get out there and kill some birds before too long. It's going to be deer season, duck season, goose season, all the season, bear season. Um, so yeah, good luck to everybody this year. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm going to go get packed up and get ready to leave. That's all I got. So we're going to hear a quick word from our partners, and then we'll get into drone recovery right after this. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show and today we're talking to Rhett Aker. How you doing, Rhett? Hey man, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Did I get the last name right? It's actually Aker. Acker. Okay. I almost went with that, but, uh, (laughs) Uh, well, cool, man. Well, uh, this is an episode that I'm pretty darn excited for. Uh, you and I met at the, uh, the expo this, uh, last weekend and, uh, you have a really, really cool service that you provide. And so that's what we're going to be covering today. But before we get to that real quick, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, you bet. So my name is Red Acker. I'm out of McAllister, Oklahoma. And, I own uh, Oklahoma Drone Recovery Company. Uh, so we are a company that specializes in deer recovery with uh, thermal drone technology, but you know, also branching out and searching for pets and livestock and cattle and um, you know, worst case scenario people. Uh, but not only that, but we also you know offer real estate needs and and uh, herd inventory and things of that nature. Awesome, man. Yeah, uh, that's part of the reason I'm so excited. It's just kind of a a unique, a little bit newer thing. I know drones have been around for a little while, but the the technology has come a really long way in the last couple of years. And uh, you mentioned uh, uh, pet recovery. Um, I actually, this just popped into my head. My sister a few years ago, actually it was during COVID, uh, I have a sister with MS. And so when, when COVID first kind of started getting around, everybody was you know real nervous about it, didn't know anything about it. Uh, my sister came up and spent a lot of time with my brother and I, she was living at F- in Fort Worth at the time and she brought her two dogs and one day out of nowhere, they just ran away. 
and she actually called a tracker uh, that brought a dog out to come try to track her pets. And unfortunately, we were never able to to find them. They never showed back up. Um, but yeah, like I had, I had never even thought that that would be a thing to like hire somebody to come try to find your lost pet. Um, but yeah, like and then you know you mentioned cattle. Uh, we've come close to buying a drone on ours. Uh, you know, we check our cows a lot in the spring when they're calving and everything. And we have thought so many times it'd be nice to just sit on the back porch and fly that drone around before having to, you know, go out and <laughs> drive around in the cold. So, so yeah, really neat idea, I guess is what I'm trying to say. No, I, I get it, man. It's uh, it definitely makes things easier, you know, especially on them, them cattlemen, uh, you know, able to save them time and, uh, search their property. I know we got called out on on this one farm, and and we were able to to search, you know, right around two thousand acres. Um, and 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 uh, just just a matter of I don't know an hour. Um, and it's just one of those things where you know, searching from a bird's eye view does something. You know, it gives you more visibility, and especially once you activate that thermal, man, it, it's just really amazing what what that picks up. Um, and, and just the things that, you know, that you can do with it. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that's a great segue into our first topic here, because obviously we're going to kind of somewhat focus on, on deer throughout this. If we get into other things, that's fine. But, uh, you you just mentioned thermal and I was going to say, I'm, I'm guessing this drone that you're using is not one that you just like run down to Walmart and pick up. So I want you (laughs) to tell us a little bit about this thing. Um, you know, kind of the advantages of it all the cool toys, all the things you can do with it. Just kind of tell us about the equipment that you're using. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, you're definitely right. I, I wish we could just roll down to Walmart and grab one. Um, but man, it's uh, definitely not that kind. It's it's a DJI Matrice 30T uh, T for thermal. And um, what's interesting about this drone is it, you know, how most of like your uh, scope thermals have, you know, white hot, red hot, or excuse me, black hot. Um, the things like that. This thing actually has a variety of different thermal options. So depending on your application, uh, you can sort of, you know, choose whichever thermal option best fits your needs. Um, so, you know, it's it's paired with uh, two batteries that run this thing. And, and this drone's a pretty good size. I mean, it's not one of, you know, it's not going to be like your Mavic Pro uh, where it can fit in the palm of your hand. I mean, this thing, this thing's pretty bulky. It's loud. Uh, so it takes a couple batteries to run it. Um, and, you know, we, we have a plethora of batteries, but uh, it, it's paired also with a uh, a spotlight and a uh, megaphone. Mm. Um, and and that's that's really what allows you to be able to search at night when it comes to being able to distinguish between, you know, the animal you're looking for. Like, for instance, you know, if, if we're flying at night and and I have the thermal activated, uh, you know, ultimately now you're able to distinguish between, you know, a pig or a cow or a deer. Um, but what you're not able to do is you're not able to sort of get a, a unique identification on that animal. So we'll, what we'll do is we'll uh, turn that spotlight on, um, you know, uh, pair it with the gimbal and basically light that animal up. We'll then turn our thermal off. And that acts as a almost like a night vision, if you will. Um, so that's how you're able to, you know, kind of identify uh, what you're looking at. Um, so like if we're, for instance, like if we were 
you know, looking for, um, you know, a specific buck that you shot. Well, we can go find a deer, but with that thermal, you're not able to, you know, uniquely identify what deer you're looking at. So we just, we just light that, light that uh, spotlight up and, and be able to kind of distinguish there. So yeah, we're, we're running a, a pretty intricate piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now you mentioned multiple batteries and stuff, but just kind of curious, you know, on one charge, what kind of flight time are you looking at? Yeah. So that actually, you know, it's kind of subjective to the environment, right? I mean, um, you know, those batteries are going to operate differently in a hundred degrees, wet degree weather than they will at 40. Mm -hmm. So currently right now we're, we're seeing flight time around that 35 mark. Um, and you know, obviously we have quite a few batteries, so we're able to just interchange them mm -hmm. and, uh, charge them as we go. But, uh, you know, come, come winter, I, I fully expect just based off of experience with other equipment that, that that charge will actually last a little bit less. So, mm -hmm. um, maybe probably, you know, in that 25 mark ish, maybe the 30, 30 mark, but, mm -hmm. Uh, that that's still yet to come, but you know, we're getting pretty, pretty good battery life out of these things. Yeah. I, I was just curious. One of my buddies, uh, when, when drones first kind of started coming out, uh, he bought one and it was one that it didn't have a camera attached. Um, and you had to like attach a GoPro or something to it. So I had a GoPro, he bought a drone. So we kind of went out together to, to play with it. And I want to say those batteries had like an eight minute flight time. Like it was, <laughs> it was in and out. It's like I said, I know, I know technology's come a long way, but that's kind of why I was curious. So. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, let's kind of get into more of the, the recovery. That's, you know, what you're really kind of here to talk about and, uh, and for us to cover. So uh, up until recently, like I would consider that there's basically two ways to find a wounded buck, you know, if, it, if the buck doesn't drop or runs and you can't, uh, you know, track it down immediately. Um, the old, the oldest school way probably is just call a bunch of your buddies and start grid searching. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I've done some grid searching by myself. Uh, I remember I, I shot a buck one time that he ended up, he only went like 40 yards from where I shot him, but it took me over two hours to find him. Uh, it was a real wow. frosty day and he just didn't bleed much. Um, and so I, I've been, you know, I've de definitely done some grid searching. Um, and then what's gained a lot of popularity recently is using dogs. And and I've had that situation also um, called in a dog and, and the dog was great because it, it gave you a lot of information you wouldn't have otherwise had. Um, for instance, I learned I was tracking in the wrong direction. Um, we, we ended up not finding the deer, uh, but it also like, the fact that we didn't find the deer gave me some peace of mind that I wouldn't have otherwise had, you know, and, and turns out I got a picture of that buck a few weeks later. Um, you know, he was still up and around. So that, that kind of gave me some peace of mind also, but, um, but man, I see so many advantages to what you're about to talk about. So, uh, so yeah, just kind of take us through, you know, kind of one, the process, uh, to some of the advantages you see and just kind of the whole gambit of recovering a deer with a, with a drone. Yeah, man. So I'm actually glad you asked this question because whenever we launched, um, I had friends who own dogs and and people that, man, I've never even, <laughs> I've never even met, just reach out to me and, and kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, j just, you know, just share some, you know, words about their concerns with this. And, and, and I think, I think it kind of 
uh, almost portrayed that I, I was against traditional tracking. Mm-hmm. And, and I would just like to clear that up. I, I am not against traditional tracking. I'm not against dogs. Um, and, and you're right. They, they, they're proven. I mean, they're, they're tracking dogs. That's what they do. Right. Um, but as technology evolves and as it, as it improves, um, you know, we, we, or at least in my opinion, I'm, I'm a nerd, I'm an engineer for a living, you know, I, I want to evolve with it. So, you know, it's being able to kind of, uh, give yourself an advantage that that maybe wasn't there uh in in the years past i mean as hunters i think you know i i think that that's what everyone would want um we owe it to ourselves to to find an animal we owe it to the animal to to find it and i know dogs are proven i know dogs have done that um but like i said you know this is a, a very interesting method a very inter- a very interesting uh uh, a way of going about it and achieving the same thing so you know with with the the, the drone uh there, there are several advantages that i can think of okay on paper and and i would like to you know even open it up to you and and see if you can think of some other advantages that maybe i'm missing but uh one of the advantages is you know you're you're able to search the area without ever disturbing it mm-hmm. um we're not walking into the uh uh the we're not walking into the area uh you know that that we're hunting um we're, we're not leaving a scent trail uh we're, we're not bumping deer um you're able to fly from an aerial view and and cover more ground in 30 minutes than than ultimately what you may be able to cover um you know u- using a dog in that time so so you know a benefit would be uh, no scent trail, you know, you're not leaving a scent trail, you're not disturbing the area, you're able to cover more, more ground, and I think what a big one is, is <clears throat> rain or, or or shine, whatever, you're not limited to a blood trail, you know, I mean, you're still able to go out and search, um, you know, whether or not you have a blood trail or not, I mean, how many times have you shot a deer and, and, and have not seen a drop of blood, right, well, how many times have have you uh, heard of your friends shooting a deer and 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 no blood uh, being observed, but that animal is dead, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Forty or fifty yards, uh, or even hundred yards down the road, and um, and it was just one of those things. It's like, well, in that instance, it's really beneficial because, I mean, they found the animal. Um, but what you know, what what do you do if if you uh, if if you can't find it? And so being able to search from the air and have that thermal option I, I really think puts us at an advantage of, of locating locating animals or you know the, these deer uh, being able to pinpoint sort of you know uh okay I'm, I'm picking up a heat signature here uh let's light it up and, and see if if that's your animal or not mm-hmm. um I think it just puts you at a at a, a, a from a statistics point of view uh you know a more a higher advantage in fact, at the SHOT Show the other weekend or the Outdoor Expo, man, I, I was seeking out dog owners. So <laughs> it was funny. We we would we would let them know, hey, you know, we're Oklahoma Joint Recovery Company and kind of give our pitch. And, you know, some of them didn't, you know, some of them said, well, I have a dog. And those were the guys I was going after, right? Because mm-hmm. I wanted to hear from those guys. And I've had several that that uh, I was able to chat it up with and, and hear their perspective from a dog owner's you know, point of view that maybe 
I not fully understand on my point of view. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually shocked to hear that a lot of them supported the idea, supported, you know, what we're doing. And one of the disadvantages that 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 I asked, um, you know, what am I missing out on from not having a dog? Um, you know, some some of those were not so much the tracking ability, but more of the companionship between the dog. Mm -hmm. So when you when you look at maybe you know on paper the advantages and, and disadvantage, I, I think I think they're clear. Um, but I'll be honest, I, I I don't own a dog. I've never owned a dog, so you know I I don't. I, I don't fully know exactly what benefits, um, you know, that, you know, searching a dog would have versus, you know, searching from the air like we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got two points I'll throw out there. You asked if I could, you know, share my opinion as well. So the first one yeah. you, you hit on was the whole, the whole scent thing. Um, I'll go back to when I called that dog on that deer. I thought that I hammered that deer. Um, I didn't even follow the blood trail. He had ran through an, an open gate. And so I knew where he had gone. Um, it, it turns out I found out later uh, I had hit him low. I, so I, I basically shot under his belly and hit his opposite leg. So when he was running off, you know, he was stumbling and, and I could tell he was struggling. I saw him run through that gate. And so I, yeah, you know, I just ran over there. You know, I, I gave him some time and everything, but I wasn't tracking. I wasn't trying to look for blood or anything. And then kind of when I got to that gate, you know, I really expected him just, just to kind of find him dead, uh, in the, in the thick stuff there. And all of a sudden I didn't find him. And so then I start, you know, walking around looking for blood. I did a little bit of grid searching because just because I was so confident that I killed this deer. Um, and then, you know, ended up calling the dog. And again, like I was way off of where the deer had went and everything. Uh, I went through that gate and turned right. Cause I found one drop of blood. The dog went through that gate and immediately turned left. Um, and so that was a, a situation where, you know, I could have messed things up. Um, and so, you know, if, if somebody knows they made a bad shot, then they probably know just, Hey, stay back. I'm just going to call the dog. But in those situations where, you think that deer is dead, you can really hurt yourself when it comes to the dog and the scent and everything. So that's one. Uh, two, and this is kind of more of a personal thing, I I am super colorblind. And so I am, <laughs> I am a terrible blood tracker because I just don't see <laughs> red well, especially on like a green background. You know, when you're looking at vegetation and dead leaves and stuff, uh, my wife is actually a much better tracker than I am, even though she's only done it a handful of times. Um, and so in a situation where you got somebody like me, uh, you know, I could see, you know, calling the drone out, you know, right off the bat could be helpful also. Um, I, I will give one, uh, pro dog thing here that I thought of while you were talking about. Um, I could see like early season when there's still a, a bunch of foliage on the trees and everything, and you're in a real thick area. I could see where the dog might have a little advantage. Um, and I may be wrong on that. I know you fly these a lot more than I do, but I could see the thermal having a little harder time getting through all that thick stuff than maybe a dog would. Man, you're exactly right. And and I, I'm so glad you brought that up because because I actually have that wrote down here. Um, when when you're talking about October one, right? I mean, the environment obviously is much different than that of December 15th right? Or December 4th. Um, so I couldn't agree more with you. And in, in, in the case of, you know, okay, it's October 1, um, 
you know, the, 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 there's still quite a few leaves on the trees, you know, certain, certain areas of Oklahoma, um, you know, it, it perhaps may be a little bit more beneficial to, to have a dog come out because, uh, you know, uh, or at least in my experience, whenever I kill a deer and in your experience too, where, where do they typically go and bay up at? The it's in the thickest stuff line. possible. Right. The thickest stuff possible if they can get to it. Well, whenever the leaves have fallen and, and you know, and, and there's no foliage, man, a drone's going to pick that up in no time. I mean, it, it's you know, it's uh, you can't hide from that. But whenever you have foliage on the trees, uh, you know, you, you have pockets that that you are you're kind of forced to look into. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, because at the end of the day, OK, we're we're a, we're a company that offers a service to the people of Oklahoma for recovering deer and, and other things. But <clears throat> the end goal is is to deliver the deer back to the hunter. That's the end goal, whether whether that's the use of a dog, whether that's the use of a, of a drone. I, I that you know, as as this technology and, and these businesses start to pop up, you know, that would be my encouragement to to uh to, to everyone looking you know looking into something similar is that 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 our end goal is to deliver a deer to the customer whether that's a, the means of a dog or, or a drone doesn't really matter um <clears throat> one of the models that i that i have for this company is that we're out to make money not steal it mm-hmm. so if 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 i feel as if okay you've shown me your area um it's really really thick um then then look i'm 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 probably going to tell you it's going to be a risk because of the environment in which we're in. But if you, if you want us to come out, we certainly will come out. In fact, I'm going to digress a little bit. I've actually done that with our dog search. So one of the things um, we've done in the off season is is going to look for pets and dogs. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that I discovered was a dog who has been missing four or five days or two weeks, even, obviously is much more difficult to find dog that has you know has a siding within four hour period mm-hmm. and um we we found a dog i mean we found a dog that had been missing for five days i, I got to the point where i was actually telling people that you know hey look Sorry that that you're you're finding yourself in this position, and I certainly will come out, and I certainly will search for your animal. But hey, I actually recommend we wait until exciting, and then immediately call me, because would have the greatest amount of a life of finding their animal if they're going to be spending the money for us to come out. Uh, so that's what I mean by by make stealing it. I mean, yeah, we could go out and fly. But if if the odds of us finding that animal like a pet, for instance, man, we we were we were heading to Arkansas and it had been um, missing for I think it was like four weeks. It was a German Shepherd, and uh, um, there there were different sightings all all throughout the past couple of weeks in which we were called and calculated. He, he had traveled forty miles. So you're looking at a pet, you know, traveling 40 miles, a dog traveling 40 miles um, in, in just that short amount of time. And it's, you know, it's it's one of those things where I didn't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable charging folks if I don't feel like the likelihood is finding what's after 
mm-hmm. um, is going to be probable. Yeah. Um, so I, that, that, that's, that's how, that's how we based, you know, that, that, that's the direction we're heading and we've headed with this, with this company is, uh, we're out to make money, not steal it. So whenever it comes to recovering deer, like in October, um, depending on re- which region you're in, I couldn't agree with you more. Like if you're on West Oklahoma where it's, you know, where there's hardly any trees at all, um, and you just have a bunch of holes and, and canyons and things like that, then I don't think October one is going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. But whenever you're out in our area and you're in Southeast Oklahoma, uh, in certain areas, I mean, um, and you're in the thickest stuff possible, then you're exactly right. Perhaps it's, it's better to, to call a dog in. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate your, your honesty and stuff. I think that's important. I think that's a, an amazing trait. And so, yeah, I appreciate you. Uh, sharing that with everybody yeah of course awesome i feel like i had another uh question here before we went on but uh can't think of now so we're just gonna go on so awesome so uh you, one thing you mentioned uh you did was like deer surveys um and you know flew and counted deer and stuff like that um talk to us a little bit about that just kind of you know what you're looking for what that would entail. Um, and then any like just kind of cool things you like, like, is there, oh, excuse me, is there like a certain type of, you know, terrain feature you tend to find deer? Like, have you, like, I guess what I'm asking is like, have you learned anything about deer behavior from, you know, doing all this flying time and, and looking for these deer? Yeah, that's a, man, that's a good question. I tell you, um, a, a lot of what I've seen has actually just sort of affirmed what I thought I knew. Um, so like, you know, for instance, you, you look at like on X hunt, right. And, and you look at the layout of, of some ground and, and a track and, and you see fingers, uh, from, you know, acting as what I would think be like quarter war from one, one area to another. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and on the map, you're like, man, that looks really good. Well, what, what I've seen actually recently in, in some recent surveys is that, uh, and keep in mind, whenever I go out, I'm, I'm going at it. Uh, like an hour before dark and and, and throughout the night, um, you know, a, a few hours up, up throughout the night. And so these deer are up are on their feet, um, you know. Uh, so what I'm actually seeing is they're uh, a, a lot, a lot of deer are using fingers. Um, and do you know what I mean by a finger? Yeah. Like maybe a little stretch of trees going out into a field or drainage, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so they're, they're using, using these fingers as a quarter roars, if you will. And, um, uh, and, 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 and coming out and actually, uh, what, what I've seen a lot of is, is a lot of these deer bedding down on, uh, like open, open ground on top of hills. Recently, the other day I went out and saw one, uh, a group bedded down in, in what appeared to be, uh, uh, just a, a, a big pasture ground. And I didn't know what in the world, like what attracted these deer. Uh, and these are good bucks too. I didn't know what in the world attracted these deer to that specific location. So I went out and looked, it was actually on our, our farm. And I still don't know to this day what in the world, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the terrain, if you will, there's the big saddle. Um, so they're, I guess, you know, they're kind of, they're kind of in this low area, you know? Hmm. Um, but to me, I would think that these deer would, would be, or would want to be bedded down kind of like on a hilltop where they kind of see everything, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like on a high ground. 
Um, but, but these specific deer, uh, were kind of bedded down in the saddle and, um, and, and, and ultimately what, 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 uh, you know, what was around them was a finger in which connects one property to, to the other. So, um, you know, I, I've seen these, I've seen these bucks and I've seen the, these deer, you know, utilize those fingers, um, uh, quite a bit. And, uh, even, even like, uh, coves, if you will, uh, you know, kind of like pockets, like it, like it makes a, a cove, if you will. Um, th those deer, uh, or a lot of deer, what I've seen, have actually sort of walked from a field inside the, the bowl of, of that, of that cove even. Hmm. So, yeah, so, it, you know, I, I've seen some interesting, um, you know, patterns, uh, some of which that, you know, what just sort of affirmed what I knew, and then and then others really made me quit about this area. Is this deer really drawn to? Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, my my guess on the saddle would be that they're you know getting that wind coming up out of that lower area that you know it's going to be kind of forced between that in or in that saddle. Um, that other one's really interesting though. Um, uh, here's a random question that, uh, you may not, may or may not have the answer to. I just thought of this as you were talking, because as we're, as we're talking about this technology and all this stuff, uh, I can't help but wonder that somebody could use this for the wrong purposes. Are you aware of any laws of like, uh, basically using a drone for hunting purposes, like flying up with this thermal drone, finding this buck and then going in and trying to kill it? I'm sure there's some kind of law against it. Are you aware of any specific laws? Oh yeah, man. So I would encourage folks who, um, you know, who who are wanting to get into drone and, and and this type of thing to really study the Airborne Hunting Act. Um, in there, it is out specifically what is and what actually allows us to go and cover deer but if you were to look at kansas kansas you know uh prohibits it complete uh the recovering of deer the scouting of deer the locating of deer you know the harassment of deer um of course we cannot harass in oklahoma according to the airborne hunting act nor would you want to mm -hmm. but um when you when you look at oklahoma like one of the biggest questions um that that i was talking to the lieutenant colonel uh the warden um, for Oklahoma, you know, we, we spent a couple of weeks talking about this was, okay, what happens if you, uh, locate a deer that's not killed, right? Mm -hmm. So located deer that's not dead, it's just wounded. Mm -hmm. Um, at that point, what is the appropriate move? Because it's one thing to locate a deer that's dead. Okay. Congratulations. Go recover your deer. Right. It's an, it's completely different if, you know, that, that deer is still alive. Mm. And in which case, what do you do then? Well, according to the airborne hunting act, what would be illegal is for me to have the, the drone hovering and aiding in that kill, A-I-D-I-N-G, aiding in that kill. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't have the drone hovering and, and you on the other line and me saying, okay, man, uh, this cedar tree, you know, 30 yards to the mm -hmm. north, and then you're going to cut back to the right. I mean, yeah. that that's true. You know, that's strictly prohibited. I can't, I can't have, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, no one can do that. But when you locate a deer that's not dead, the direction 
and the allowance that you have is to uh to to put away the drone um the drone's not in the air uh there there's no firearms in in you know around in the midst of of us flying um everything's stowed and put away uh, you stow the drone now whenever i leave and if that hunter decides that he wants to go and try to kill that animal um that's on him and and that's and that's what i was told is that's legal that's fine um but i cannot aid in the attempt to kill that deer in the sense of i cannot di direct those hunters to that animal mm. um and the same goes with private property right so the faa regulates the airspace i mean they, they control the airspace um so if if we've got a, a deer that someone thinks that you know has run on the neighboring property <clears throat> legally um i can fly over that neighboring property now there's a state law uh, that that discusses the harassment or, or uh, I have to go back and I'm paraphrasing here. So, so don't quote me, but the, uh, um, the disturbing of a hunter or something along those lines. So in other words, like there's a hunter that's, that's in a stand and, and I go and I fly and I disturb his hunt. That's, that's illegal, but we'll be hunting, we'll be searching at night. Right. So mm -hmm. that's not really applicable for what we're doing, but if we locate a deer that's on the neighboring property, um, we or the 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 hunter cannot go and get that deer without the permission of that property owner mm -hmm. so just because we located them does not mean that okay now we can go get them no i mean that's still private property you still have to request permission to go and get that deer you know what i mean if mm -hmm. you don't have it already so yeah i mean there are some you know there are some uh uh specific laws that are, that are prohibiting uh a, a lot of those things and that's that's why it's it's very important that that folks are educated when it comes to to uh you know an unmanned aircraft mm -hmm. and and uh, you know the airborne hunting act um because the last thing that anyone wants to do is find themselves in a pinch where you know they're they're you know inadvertently or accidentally breaking the law yeah yeah Man, yeah, great answer. Uh, great information also. Um, I'm almost ashamed of myself that I hadn't thought of that question before we started recording. I should have thought about the law part of it more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Very, very good in info. You have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high-speed internet, latest devices, and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first, and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern Oklahoma. Let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. And, and you know, another thing is when, when we first launched, um, there's a lot of ambiguity around drones and deer recovery in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And when one of the things that that I know is happening is is and I, I've been able to converse with a whole lot of wardens and and what I've been told is that uh, the the regulations are actually in the process of being updated. Mm -hmm. uh, when the when the regs were written years ago, this technology wasn't even a thought, right? I mean, right. who knew we were going to be here? So it it doesn't really say a whole lot about it, which caused a lot of confusion. So whenever we first opened up. 
a lot of folks for saying this is illegal that are messaging me and and, and out, out of good intention right mm -hmm. i mean i'm glad i'm glad that there are people out there that are willing to do that in the event that uh you know something something like this was actually you know illegal um you know just kind of watching out for your fellow man is the way i, I took it but the the regs don't really say a whole lot about it so i had to spend man i've spent um quite quite a bit of time talking with the local uh game wardens um even up even up at the lieutenant colonel mm -hmm. um uh, status man just going back and forth really wanting to understand okay what can we do here that that's that's allowed and and ultimately it was ruled that you know uh th this is fine so um so there's there's freedom in Oklahoma to really explore with this kind of technology, and and when you think about it, it, it really it really helps the conservation, right? I mean, it really helps the uh, uh, it, it gives it gives us the the, the best odds at finding uh, the animal. Which, if you're a hunter, of course you you know anytime you shoot something, you want to find it, right? So, mm -hmm. I, I I understand how it could definitely be taken out of, um, and, and you know. I don't want to say context, but it could be used in such a way that that violates the law. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a shame to say, but that's with anything, right? I mean, right. Uh, that's with the thermal scopes as well. So, you know, here here at here Oklahoma, Oklahoma Journal Recovery Company, I really run a tight knit sh uh, ship. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Making sure that 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 we're complying 100 percent to to the law and, and and not stretching, not stretching it by any. Uh, well, not not stretching it by any means. <clears throat> so. With the with the regs being updated, I'm, I'm hoping that that they will come back in and clear some of these questions up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, it's definitely something that you got to be careful with. Kind of like you said, um, you know, there's a really high upside to a lot of this, but there can definitely be a downside. So, uh, yeah, great, great stuff. <laughs> really, really good stuff. Um, I do have another question on the on the survey stuff. Uh, you know, let's say I have a property and I'm just curious, you know, maybe my buck to doe ratio or how many deer, you know, an estimate I have or something like that. When you do your surveys, do you normally do those during the day or during the night? Because I feel like you could kind of have almost two different answers. Um, I don't know, I'm just I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, so I like I said earlier, I, I typically go about an hour or thirty minutes before dark, and it goes into the night. Okay. Now you cert you certainly can absolutely you you can do a survey at you know in, in the middle of the day, mm. but but what I've observed is that you know, and this is kind of, I mean, if you've been hunting for a while, I mean, it makes sense, but, uh, when are, when are the deer most active? Morning right? and evening. I mean, in the evening. Right. Mm -hmm. So whenever I do a survey, I, I want to kind of put, put us in the best position of, of seeing the deer that are sort of localized on that property. Mm -hmm. So we'll go, we'll go, you know, the evening and in, into the night a little bit and, and, uh, use the thermal to really locate those deer and, and be able to, uh, light them up with the light and, and kind of see what we're looking at. Yeah. And one thing I feel like we should maybe touch on this uh, just for people listening, because I still have a lot of people asking me about thermal versus night vision, all that. Um, and 
night vision is for night. It requires zero light. You know, if you use a night vision during the day, you're going to mess it up. Thermal does not. It doesn't matter what time of day thermal is. It's simply seeking out heat. So you can fly this thermal drone day or night. So like I said, if somebody's listening to this, don't feel like, oh, it's nine o'clock in the morning. I have to wait till nighttime before we get this drone there. It's it's an any any time of day type thing. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is. Now, one of the things I would I would caution against is, you know, um, you, you hit it on the head that this is 100 percent a heat seeking, you know, sort of method. So that picks up any heat, right? It, de- it doesn't distinguish between, okay, your rock that's been uh, heating up with the sun and, and uh, 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 a deer that, that just has natural blood flow going through that's picking right. up heat, right? So, so de- during the day, what I've observed is everything is, is really washed out. So mm-hmm. you're going to pick up a whole lot of, if you're on, uh, you know, the option with the red, you know, the heat lights up red, you're going to pick up a whole lot of red. And what happens is, is you have so much red that you can't distinguish, okay, what's really a deer or whatever you're looking for versus a branch or a rock that's lit up or even soil that's lit up uh, because it's been been absorbing heat all day. So um, whenever I say that we can search during the day, you absolutely can, but we, we never really use our thermal during the day because it's really um, non-value added uh, and, and it's really much it's really less uh it's not clear as to what you're really looking at so when that sun goes down and that's why we search you know that last hour or 30 minutes before the sun goes down because everything's starting to cool off you know uh um the the rocks and the soil and the branches and everything's starting to cool cool off through conduction and things like that and um now what pops now what pops is going to be live animals so whenever we're out 9 30 10 o'clock um what what's popping is 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 what's lighting up is is really those those animals that that you're looking for um so that's something to keep in mind right i mean mm-hmm. i don't want to mislead anyone in in the in the you know whenever i say we can search with thermal we absolutely can but it, it's pretty much it's deemed useless during the day in my opinion gotcha okay good stuff good stuff um is there such thing as like waiting too long, like letting that animal cool off too much, or is it still going to be putting off enough heat to find it? Man, that's a, oh, that's, that's, I'm glad you asked that question too. So we're actually um, in the middle of a study right now. Uh, We've been asked that question. And uh, the answer that I, that I have um, is, is, uh, is, 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 um, well, the, the answer that I have is that we're 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 figuring that out right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually went out and uh, uh, killed a uh, two hundred about a two hundred fifty pound hog. Um, my buddy and I were out and we ran into um, uh, another hunter and he actually kind of donated this hog for for this case study. But um, this was shot. Let's see, it would be Saturday night around nine thirty. Today's Monday, and this probably is the worst time you could possibly ever conduct a case study just because <laughs> in Oklahoma, it's like 105 all week. Yeah. So that thing's just sitting out and, and, and baking in, in this heat. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, Oh man. Okay. There, there are some, you know, there, there's a factor there that I'm going to have to probably omit a little bit, but um, so I flew this, I flew the drone up yesterday around 10 o'clock at night. 
um, and went and looked at this pig. And let me tell you something, it, it was lit up. I mean, no different than it was the night before. So, so tonight I'll be going back out and flying over it and just basically repeating this thing until I don't see any, any more heat, uh, kind of, you know, uh, coming from this pig. Now, again, I may, I may have to deem this study a little bit invalid just because of the conditions we're in yeah. right now. But, um, it's, it is interesting at least to see, uh, you know, that even two days later that, that this pig is, uh, still lighting up as, as much as he is. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'm going to conduct another study come fall whenever mm-hmm. we have weather that's more like in the fifties or sixties, uh-huh. because I, I, I'm not oblivious I, I or naive. I, I do think that's going to impact that. So our goal and the reason why, um, we're expanding the company. You know, you and I kind of talked about that. We're actually in the middle of expanding the company. I bought a few more drones. So we'll have pilots on, uh, you know, the West Western part of Oklahoma, the Northern part of Oklahoma, um, Eastern part of Oklahoma. And the reason being is to increase our availability, um, but also drive down costs. Uh, but another factor is that we want to get to the deer as quickly as possible. So, you know, we want to be able to get to those deer the same night you call us or the folks call us. And, you know, to kind of prohibit or at least mitigate uh, those scenarios where where we can't get to an animal or we can't get to to that deer, you know, until it's, you know, it's been after 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we definitely our, our goal is to to get to folks as, as, as quick as possible. But that study, I think, you know. Is, is really how that case study with this pig is really held to kind of help us understand what we're looking at and how long heat retain, you know, an animal retains heat even after it's been dead for quite some time. But unfortunately, like I said, I think our conditions are going to sort of sway the data. Yeah. On this one. Yeah. What made me think of that is uh, I, I kill a lot of bucks late season, like after Christmas. And, uh, I shot a buck that took me two or three hours to find one day. I had a, a decent blood trail. It was just, you know, really long. The buck ended up going like 300 yards or something like that. Um, and it was super cold. It was like 20 degrees or something that night. And so now I doubt somebody's going to wait three days to call you, you know, if if they can't find their deer, but I was just curious if there was like a, you know, 24 hour, 48 hour type time period that, that you would need to, to respond to, but. Uh, yeah, I, I'm glad you're looking into it. Glad you're doing some research. I'd I'd be curious to know uh, how that turns out. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. And and uh, I, you know, j- I mean, just kind of going off of, I don't know, I don't want to say common sense logic, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm thinking probably a forty out forty eight hour. Um, and I, I guess it really depends too, right on 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 if coyotes get to that carcass or get to that animal, yeah. you know, like if, if coyotes get to that animal and they, and they tear it up and, and all of a sudden now you're just down to bone, um, you know, is that going to show up different than a deer who's been undisturbed for 24 or 48 hours, you know? Mm-hmm. So I guess it's, you know, I guess it's subjective to, to that deer's condition even. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you got some homework, man. Get after it. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> We're on it, I'll tell you. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Uh, well, uh, we got a few minutes here left. I don't again, I don't want to take up your entire evening, but uh, 
Are there any just general topics, things we missed, anything you've learned or anything else you'd like to cover before we go? Man, you know, I, I think that, um, again, I, I just have a heart to serve the the people of Oklahoma. I know what it's like to have lost something. Um, I lost a deer last year. Um, and trust me, that wasn't my first one. So, um, again, I, I just want to I just want to hit home the point that whether it's a dog or, or whether it's the drone, um, what's important to me is that the hunter recovers what they've been working so hard to go after. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't, I don't expect to be called on, on does, right. I, mm -hmm. I, I, mean, I can be, but I don't expect to be called on does. Maybe, maybe so. Uh, but it don't matter if it's a doe or it's a buck. Um, we're going to come out and do our due diligence and we're going to search um, and, and we're going to be there and we're going to uh, give it our best effort to, to help bring home this animal. Um, whether that's a cattle or, or a cow, whether that's a deer or, or pet, um, it, it don't matter. We're going to go out and give it our best shot. And uh, um, that's the end goal, right? The, mm -hmm. the end goal is serving. The end goal is uh, uh, giving the people of Oklahoma the best opportunity to and, and position them in, in such a way that's going to provide to them the best likelihood of finding that animal. Whether that's a dog or whether that's a drone, it don't matter to me um again we're out to make money not steal it and i want folks to know that awesome awesome man well sweet man this has been uh extremely educational i'm really glad we decided to do this um you sound like a great guy uh, i really wish you the best this upcoming season um real quick before we go uh if somebody's listening to this and they think hey this is for me where should people go to find you Man, they can they can contact. Uh, they can go to our website www.oklahomadrc.com. My contact information is there. They can go to our Facebook, Oklahoma Drone Recovery Company, um, and, and my contact information is there as well. So uh, feel free to reach out. I, I, I love talking the subject. I love uh, being educated as well. So um, if 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 you're listening to this, and and please by all means. If you're listening to this and, and you, at any point in time, um, I've said something that that is uh, uh, wondrous and, and, and you know, not not factual, any, anything that's pertaining to the law, although although I'm confident that that we're square there. Uh, please reach out. Right. Because uh, um, I'm, I'm not by no means going to act like I'm, I'm a scholar of, of no means, um, although I put a lot of time studying into <laughs> through the regs and things like that but um you know I, my, my door is always open is i guess what i'm trying to say um i'm, I'm never going to shut down shut down anyone so yeah feel free to reach out and contact me I, i'd love to love to talk with you guys yeah and I'll, I'll say this to the listeners um this is the type of thing that you don't need it until you need it and so <laughs> yeah. don't get caught with your pants down uh you know when that moment uh of panic comes across uh you know look up Rhett, save his stuff in your phone so that you don't have to try to you know look up his website while you're out in the deer stand with zero service you know playing ahead i guess is what i'm trying to say it doesn't hurt to stick that number in your phone if you don't need it but when you do need it that's when it's going to count so 
Well, Rhett, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on. And I think we're going to have to do a round two. I'd be really curious to have you back on next year uh, after you have uh, you know some a season under your belt and everything with this. Talk about what you've learned. And uh, I'm sure I'm going to think of more questions after we get off the line. So definitely going to have to <laughs> back. Definitely going to have to have you back on. And man, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Oh man, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure, and hopefully, I have better answers for you as well. But uh, oh, you, it's been absolute... great. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having me, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome, Rhett. Well, thank you again, and we will talk to you next time. Sounds good. Thank you. And that will do it. Thank you, Red, again for coming on. Great, great information. Like I said at the beginning, really knowledgeable. Um, I thought he did a fantastic job of laying out the facts, but also being honest, you know, just talking about the benefits, the weaknesses, and all that good stuff. So thank you, Red, for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. Um, these episodes the last few weeks have been getting a little bit long. I apologize for that. I hope y'all don't mind. But um, just the closer we get to hunting season, the more excited I am and the more great content that we can have coming out. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, wish me luck in Nebraska. The next episode, I promise, will be about that and hopefully have a big buck story to tell. So, all right, that's all I got. I'm going to get out of here. See you guys later. Thanks again for listening. And until next week, I will see y'all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.